Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Craig Durkin. Craig is the founder of Wanderer.Earth, an exploration game that encourages people to explore new places by bike and by foot. He and his wife, Pearl, are also good friends, and we've been riding together regularly for a few years now. Thanks for joining me, Craig. So this actually isn't your first time on single tracks. Back in 2016, Aaron interviewed you about a contraption that you built uh, to ride bikes on abandoned railroad tracks. I had forgotten about that until just now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we posted a video of it, and he interviewed you and stuff. I think I didn't really even know you at that time. So I'm curious, you got any updates on how that project turned out? That... I feel like I got about as far as I wanted to with that. (laughs) The design I had actually kind of ran into some kind of challenges in that it was two bikes side by side. So it's one bike on each rail. Yeah. And where that gets tricky is when you're going around curves in rails because, well, the inside rail is shorter than the outside rail. And so... Like you need things to be really rigid in order for you to not like fall off of the rail generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, yeah, going around curves like that would make it really tricky. We actually took it up to Maine and rode on some abandoned rail up there uh, with these train guys mm. that were like, they were like really into trains. <laughs> and they like sent along these permission forms in order for us to be able to get permission to ride on this specific stretch of abandoned rail. And they had their own rail bikes that were like, there was like one bike on each track, one bike on each track, and like, yeah, they had like a, a good design. And, and they also knew kind of every stretch, like every five minutes, they're like, okay, we're coming up to this bridge, mm-hmm. we're coming to this bend, we're coming to this old factory or whatever. Uh, but it kind of took some of the like <laughs> mysterious adventure out of it for me. Like they were kind of narrating the entire. Right. trip beforehand yeah um but yeah i don't know it worked and also a lot of the abandoned rail around atlanta has been ripped up at this point mm-hmm. and so there's just it's just harder to play with yeah yeah i mean it seems like a kind of a limited use type of thing there's only so much rail and yeah i mean it sounds like the guys you rode with too they ride the same rail like over and over again they go all over the place like I heard from one of them recently because he was going to go ride this f- kind of famous stretch of rail uh, in North Carolina called the Saluda Grade, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a ton out west, a ton of abandoned rail, and then I assume the northeast still where they are. Um, so one of them actually brought a small train with them, <laughs> it, which was like something powered by like a lawnmower engine, and he towed it on his car. Uh, with this trailer and we got to we got to ride around on that and it was pretty fantastic 
Did I not tell you about this? No, no. Okay. I mean, yeah, the last I heard, you were, you were riding on the Beltline, which doesn't exist anymore, the rail part yeah. of it anyway. So we were up in, like, rural Maine, and we did our, like, rail ride, and we rode out to, like, the New Hampshire border and came back. And then we got back and pulled out the little mini train that they brought and put, like, all four of us on there. And everything that we had been riding, you know, is abandoned. And so... Like you get to a crossing where the rail crosses a road and it's it's like been paved over. There's no uh-huh. rail left yeah. there. Yeah. And this train that we have, like it doesn't have a steering wheel, it's a train. Right. And so you get to these road intersections and the only thing you can do is just gun it and hope that the train like goes straight <laughs> and, and picks up the tracks on the other side. Yeah. And wow. of course it like starts veering yeah. and some of these are like fresh pavement and it's just totally gouging them oh, and like goodness. going off to the side. <laughs> um, so then in that situation, everyone gets off and there are these two handles that pull out like a wheelbarrow mm-hmm. and you just kind of hook it up from the back and then redirect it and lay it back down and then go forward. And you just kind of keep repeating this process until eventually you get back onto the rail. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we felt kind of bad for chewing up their asphalt <laughs> like that. But it was really sweet. I mean, you go like 30 miles an hour and you see deer and lakes and everything. And it was a good time. Wow, that's awesome. But, yeah, rail biking itself, not not super viable in Atlanta yeah. anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, right. As fascinating as that is, too, this is a mountain bike podcast, so let's talk about mountain biking. Yeah, what about mountain bikes? Yeah, <laughs> well, so how did you get into mountain biking? I got into it through a friend of mine, because he was really, he was like a big cross-country runner and road rider and stuff, and yeah, it's just like brings back some of the joy of like being a little kid and riding your bike and yeah. getting lost in the woods. How old were you? Were you a little kid? <laughs> no, this was actually in like freshman year of college. Okay. And then eventually like I got really tired of having to get off my bike to like carry it over logs or rocks or whatever. So then I got really into trials for several years yeah. to be able to ride everything. And that started messing with my knees and is also like super hard to be good at. So yeah. back to mountain biking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You're being modest, though, saying you're not good at trials riding because, yeah, I've seen you do some pretty pretty cool stuff on <laughs> mountain bikes and playing around on different rocks. And I'm good. So. I'm Yeah, I'm decent from like a, a mountain biking perspective, but from like <laughs> yeah. a, a competitive trials riding perspective, like uh, a long, long ways to go. Yeah. What, what's the appeal for you about mountain biking? Like, what do you... Why do you still do it even? I mean, it sounds like you've done a lot of different things for a while and then kind of moved on and found a new thing, but but you're still mountain biking. I mean, the exploration is great. I do really, really enjoy the like technical parts of it too and kind of, mm. yeah, having to like pay attention to balance and body position and it's just like the fun challenge of like, can I get through this, yeah. you know? yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it also just like takes you to beautiful places and you meet cool people and yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of that idea of like finding new places, going to beautiful places, let's talk about wanderer.earth. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Like how, how would you explain it to somebody who's like never, 
Never heard of it. Say Wanderer is a game that you win by going places you've never been before. Mm, yeah. It's a very mountain bikey concept, even though it's kind of, you know, at this point, it's about exploring roads mainly, right? Roads are the main thing that are on there. Uh, we definitely have mountain bike trails and even more informal trails that are, you know, not necessarily official or sanctioned. Um, but those, those are fewer just because there's fewer of them in general. And then they're sort of harder to map. People don't pay as much attention to them or right. you can't see them as well because they're covered with trees on satellite imagery. Yeah. So, uh, but they're definitely on there. A lot of the like kind of janky bandit trails that we ride are <laughs> on there at this point. Right. Yeah. Well, what, like, what was the idea for creating Wanderer? Was this something that you had been doing before? Like, did you have your own sort of map of places you had explored? Or what's how did you come up with it? So it came about from some work that I do with a nonprofit here in town called Concrete Jungle. Mm-hmm. And for Concrete Jungle, we pick fruit that grows all over the city. And we donate it to local homeless shelters and food banks. And... As part of doing all that, there's a lot of planning of just like, okay, it's mid-June. Like, what are we going to pick this weekend? You know, where are we going to tell volunteers to go? Mm-hmm. And uh, fruit trees, at least in Atlanta, probably everywhere, are really unpredictable, mm-hmm. especially ones that we're picking where people don't care about them. Right. And so in order to plan an event, we have to just go to the tree and look at it and say like, oh, yeah, there's fruit on it and it's ready. Or it's late and everything's rotten or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of that of just like going by bike mm-hmm. around, around the city and seeing what's there. Yeah. And just kind of had the idea of one day of like, I wonder how many roads inside Atlanta have actually biked, you mm-hmm. know, because as you know, we have the perimeter circling Atlanta and your ITP inside the perimeter or you're not. Right. You yeah. Don't, you yeah. Don't want the perimeter is, is, Interstate 285, for those who don't know, you know, it's a lot. Most cities have them. There's like a ring kind of going around the city. And so, yeah, inside the perimeter, ITP. Kind of, yeah, kind of the unofficial boundary of yeah. the city. Yep. Um, so, yeah, kind of whipped up some code to just analyze my rides and see, you know, how many like unique places have I been? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really small. It was like, 12% or something. Yeah. ITP is about 3,300 miles. So yeah, it was like 300 something, yeah. 400 miles. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of made it sort of a simple web page, let people connect their Strava accounts and then put a leaderboard up. And that is the, like the thing that just bikers cannot resist <laughs> is right. when they see someone with a slightly bigger number than them. Yeah. They're like, it's on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, then it kind of grew from there, from Atlanta to, I think the next place was Louisville because someone had a connection. They were like, hey, I go to Louisville a lot and I want to do this there. And then, yeah, the whole world. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, so all over the world. And so I was on the website doing some research for this conversation. And you mentioned a couple of reasons that people might want to wander on the website. And yeah. a couple of them, like, you know, 
particularly connect with for me. And I've been I've been using Wanderer for I don't know probably pretty Few early years. on, yeah. yeah, from when you launched it. But just over the last couple of months, yeah, I've kind of kind of gotten obsessed with it. Um, so one of the things you mentioned is it's a cool way or a good way to see how your neighbors live. And tell us what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, when you live in a place long enough you like get to know, okay, like the bakery's here, the grocery store's there, the pizza place, whatever. Mm -hmm. And at least me, I kind of fall into this like mode of thinking of like, yeah, like this is my spot. Like this is a good spot. And like, uh, kind of not necessarily like, why would I want to live everywhere, anywhere else? But sort of like, this is like, this is good. I got a good setup here. Right. And you don't really think about like any other part of town, Mm -hmm. but then like actually going there and not just, you know, passing through on a car, but kind of like saying, I'm going to like, actually bike every road in this neighborhood or something. Yeah. You sort of start to realize like, Hey, like it's pretty good here too. (laughs) You know, it actually kind of looks a lot like where I live and they've got a lot of the same stuff. And I mean, this is totally obvious. Like everyone needs a bakery. Everyone needs a grocery store. Everyone needs the pizza place, a library, whatever. But I don't know. There's something about doing it on a bike or like running it or walking it. That's, just kind of makes it a little more familiar mm. and less a place that you're just like passing through. Yeah. Yeah. And like there would be places, you know, like a mile from my house that I had never been to. Mm-hmm. And like growing up in Atlanta, after a while that turns into like 15 years where you're like, wow, I've never been like a quarter mile <laughs> that way from yeah. the place where I spend yeah. every day of my life. Right. Uh, and it just seemed really weird to not know like, What's down there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that, that I've been struck by and that, yeah, I mean, that, that alone, seeing how your neighbors live, like it's really opened my eyes because yeah, going down some streets that are, like you said, like a mile away from my house, you see all kinds of different living conditions. I mean, I've seen extreme poverty Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I had no idea there were people living that way. Yeah. so close by. And then on the flip side, there's neighborhoods that, you know, maybe I've, I've driven past and been like, Oh, that place looks sketchy. You know, like I, that, that must be a dangerous place. And then mm-hmm. I go down and I'm like, huh, this is actually nice. Like you're saying, like, you're like, I could see myself living here. And like before I was kind of judging it and being like, Oh, this is totally this yeah. is not a good place. But some of my favorite neighborhoods in Atlanta have been places that are kind of like, ooh, like, isn't that like the bad part of town or, or whatever? Right, yeah. But then you go in there and it's just like a bunch of old timers like sitting on their porch. Yeah. Everyone's waving to you or, you know, just yeah. like having a good time. And you're like, this is great. Like, yeah. What I've seen, because I've been doing it this summer, is there's kids everywhere, right? Like, again, you think like, oh, that's a bad neighborhood or that's, you know, somewhere I shouldn't, shouldn't go. But, you're like, there's people living their lives in these places and there's kids playing in the street and they're having a good time. And it's like, I don't know. It just feels like way more of a connection to my neighbors after doing this being like, we're all, we're all just living our lives here. Like, yeah. And I don't know if this is going to be like too political or anything <laughs> that, where you don't want to go, but I think there is like a real equation 
in, at least in the United States, in our minds of like poverty with danger. Yeah. And it's like when you see poor places, like they're not criminals, like they're just poor, you know? And like, yeah, it is scary, but, but really the feeling is more just like, I think we avoid it because we don't want to see it, you know? Yeah. It can be emotional. I mean, it's like, Oh my goodness. Like these people having to live like this and making, making us thankful for what we have. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. It really, yeah. It kind of opens, open your eye, your eyes to just, yeah, just some bigger, bigger things that you don't normally see or think about. Yeah, for sure. So one of the other things you mentioned is, uh, why we should wander is to be someplace new and unfamiliar in your own city. So you've traveled around the world a good bit. Like how does wandering around your own city compare to the rides that you do in other countries that are like just (laughs) completely unfamiliar? So we know each other primarily from our Tuesday night mountain bike ride. Yes. Yes. And this is a ride that happens Tuesday nights Mm -hmm. and everyone's bringing lights and we're just kind of exploring you know some like more official trails less official trails uh basically any trail we can find basi- if there's yeah, dirt basically we want to see where it goes and if it's if it's passable then we'll we'll try to go through it and this still happens some but less so you know these days now that i've been doing the ride a bunch but in the early days of doing the ride like it all it happens mostly in like near neighborhoods or areas or part of town that I'm kind of familiar with. Mm-hmm. But since people have been doing this ride for so much, they know about all the secret stuff. So when you're <laughs> just like starting the ride, you'll be biking down a road that you know all about. And then someone will just like make a sudden turn and sneak into this little trail that you never even noticed. And then suddenly you're just lost <laughs> and you're in the woods and you're riding fun single track. And you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. How long has this been here? How did I not know about this? And it's dark. And so you're like, you're twisting around because whoever built the trail, like they're trying to pack it in <laughs> in as much of a small land parcel as they can. Yep. And then eventually you pop out someplace totally different. And you're just like, I knew where I was like 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And now I have no idea. <laughs> and like, I don't know any of these landmarks or anything. You'll bike for a little bit more along the road and then come up to an intersection of something that's familiar. And you're just like, oh, I get it. Like, here I am. And it's just a really fun feeling to me of like mm-hmm. just being you know, totally aware of your surroundings and knowing where you were and then just like instantly transported to like, where the heck am I? Like what is going on? And also like by doing that by way of like fun secret single track makes it extra cool. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of the feeling that I'm chasing is just like, yeah, just being transported a little bit in a place that you like thought you knew well and then being just totally like, what? what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found that's what, uh, yeah, I'm like you. I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to the Tuesday night ride for the reasons you mentioned. And yeah, what I've found with wander is I, I get that same feeling like this is totally new. Like, how did I not know this was here? Or like, this is a really cool street or like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of that feels like you're somewhere new and like you've, you've escaped. Mm hmm. And I imagine that's a bit like, like traveling to another country. I mean, is that, 
or or is it different for you? Like, I don't know. I when you go to another place, you expect that, right? You know, you've yeah. never been there. And like you think like, everything is new. Yeah, yeah, everything is new. Is it is it a different feeling for you, or is it is similar? It is. Yeah, it's a little like it's sort of pleasantly disorienting when it happens locally. Whereas like in a foreign country, like you just kind of expect to be kind of disoriented the whole time. Right. And it can be sort of exhausting. I mean, it's fun in its own different way, but there's, yeah, there's an aspect of surprise when it happens where you live. Yeah. Just like, Whoa, this whole thing is here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm also always looking for like fruit trees and of course little, trails that cut through to places too. And so it kind of makes it an extra bonus of like, these are, you know, I have things that I actually want to find also. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. So I'm curious too, do you think, you know, I think Atlanta maybe, you know, where it started and this idea of, of writing all the roads inside the perimeter. I I don't know if, if other cities are set up the way Atlanta is, but like we have a lot of trees and we have, we don't have a grid of streets really. Mm -hmm. I mean like outside of kind of the core downtown and a few like smaller areas, the roads are just, they're crazy. They twist and turn and it's like everything, it, it feels very mysterious. Like, do you think, do you think this concept works in other places, like, I don't know, say someplace like Denver out West where it's like, there's a grid and like, you could just go up on some mountain. You could see everything from there. Right. But, but here it's like, there's, there's kind of a mystery. I do. Yeah. I do think it works in a lot of places and in part, maybe it's a, I mean, it works in other countries too, but one thing that I think kind of comes into play in the U S is that we don't have a lot of like urban planning or design. Mm -hmm. And so, and we have a ton of land. So, you know, people are just kind of doing what they want most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we have a lot of roads that are actively built not to connect to other roads. Yeah. And so for various reasons too, for various reasons. Yeah. yeah, That you could get into, but, but you know, sometimes like little connections do form people sneak trails through the creeks or, Mm-hmm. whatever at yeah. the dead ends. And so, yeah, I feel like the grid where everything is connected is kind of more the exception rather than mm. the rule for how a lot of American cities developed that you yeah. might have like a, a sort of grid downtown mm-hmm. of kind of the older town. And then the suburbs sort of grew from there and whatever weird spaghetti <laughs> manner they wanted to yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Lots of cul-de-sacs too, which is lots of cul-de-sacs. Yeah. yeah that's, that's kind of a, not like controversial, but there, I feel like wanderer users sort of fall into two camps of like, <laughs> I'm getting everything, you know, down to the last meter. And that includes every single cul-de-sac yeah. and then others that are just like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. You don't realize how many like dead end streets there are. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm curious cause I haven't, I haven't tried this in other cities to see if if it is just an Atlanta thing or if, if this is everywhere. So I would add another reason or two for using Wanderer uh, that, that you didn't have there. And one of them is, for me, it makes road riding suck less. Like uh-huh. I, I don't like, you know, I'm a mountain biker. I don't like yeah. doing road rides. And so, yeah, it gives you something to look at. It's not the same old road that you do every time. Yeah, that that 
again with mountain biking reasons. Like I find it less boring. Like with road riding, I do just kind of like I sort of lose interest. Um, and so that definitely draws me more to mountain biking in that like you can engage with it a little bit more mm-hmm. and like what you're saying with wander of like, yeah, it, can, it kind of gives you a little more structure or like kind of a sort of bigger goal you're chasing rather yeah. than just like, well, I'm out on a long ride. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And it's motivating. I mean, I guess the leaderboard is part of that. You know, I mean, I'm nowhere, I'm way down the leaderboard, so that's not even like on my radar. It's more mm-hmm. like a personal yeah. quest to be like, okay, I've ridden this whole area. And, and for me too, it kind of encourages me to do these like shorter rides from home, like mm-hmm. on the road. Whereas, you know, it seems like for a lot of road rides, people are going to go out and they're like, well, I need to ride like two or three hours for this to be worth it. Mm-hmm. But with Wanderer, it's like, oh, there's this neighborhood a couple miles away that I haven't done yet. I'm just going to go do yeah, that. let's go check it out. Yeah, yeah. spend an hour or so. Yeah, that does get a little harder as you fill things in. but <laughs> Right, I'm know. approaching that that point. <laughs> but it's taken, I mean, it's surprising how long it's taken me just to get to that point. I mean, hundreds of miles before, you know, I live in a, a small city uh, in the metro area called Decatur that's, uh, four square miles, I think it's like two miles by two miles, roughly. Yeah, but there's almost a hundred miles of roads in that. Yeah. So and just to do my little town, it took me several days. Mm-hmm. You know, spread out over weeks. Yeah, and even like from a so there's there's kind of fun routing algorithms that you can do to come up with like an optimal route for like everything within mm-hmm. one area. Mm-hmm. And um, they have kind of a, a fun history that we could talk <laughs> about if you want. But the even in kind of a like mathematically optimal way, at least how I've seen it implemented and how I've done it, you're, the closest routes still have kind of like a 20 to 30% kind of buffer. Mm-hmm. So that like if you have a neighborhood that's like, 10 miles or a hundred miles. Like you're not doing that hundred miles in less than like 120 or 130 miles yeah. because there is just kind of like connections and sort of duplicates all that you need to do. All those dead ends too. Every one of those you're doubling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would exactly. guess it's, it's gotta be more than 20 to 30%. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on kind of the like topology of how everything's linked up. Yeah. So you've been doing this for a while. What are you at? Like 40, 50% of I'm in, yeah, I think I'm in the, in the forties. Um, part of it is I don't feel like I should be like dominating any one part of it. There's a little conflict of interest yeah. of like, I don't want to. There's no prizes though, are there? <laughs> no, but there should be. I feel like I need like <laughs> stickers or patches or shirts yeah. or something. Yeah. But yeah, and I used to lead rides around Atlanta called All of ITP that, yeah, they were fun. And just, you know, we were saying, all right, we're going to go do like every road in this one area, in mm-hmm. this one neighborhood or something. I should start those up again. But they they just kind of like building Wander and then like doing the rides sort of got to be a little much. Yeah. So I haven't not, not done those in a while. Yeah. But so you've done... 
that's you have to have done well over a thousand miles ridden over well over a thousand miles of roads inside the atlanta area what's the most interesting thing that you've seen or found you i mean i think like we sort of touched on it earlier that like just kind of seeing the like stark differences yeah of like you know you'll see like burned down houses that have people living in them yeah and two miles away like you'll see big gated mansions mm-hmm. and just kind of the like yeah the really une- the unexpected stuff like that um definitely found some like fun secret trails that i didn't know about that mm-hmm. are always good to have yeah. mysterious temples like you'll find just like a random i don't know like buddhist temple mm. or something in a neighborhood <laughs> that like we don't have a strong connection to Buddhism in the U S or especially in Atlanta or especially in this neighborhood. (laughs) So yeah, just sort of, it's just the, the unexpected, like it's hard to say any one thing of like, this was super interesting, but Mm -hmm. kind of seeing it sort of when you, when you don't expect to is what makes it interesting. One of my favorite things is in the southern part of the city, we have not quite a highway, but this road called Langford Parkway. It's sort of, it's like a limited access, but not quite freeway thing. Mm-hmm. And we went down one dead end road near Langford Parkway and saw basically like a homemade on ramp to the road. <laughs> like they had just torn down the fence and there were car tracks like leading from this very quiet residential road, like just straight on to the, to the highway. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, I get where they're coming from there. You don't see that a whole lot though. Yeah. Well, so I, I've actually started keeping a list of like the weird and unusual things that I've found. I was doing a ride one evening and I saw a woman riding a horse <laughs> down the street, like black woman, black horse, just trotting down the street, you know, this is like a regular neighborhood. Yeah. And like, where did she come from? Yeah. Where does she have no a horse? stables or yeah. anything? <laughs> I and, love it. Yeah. Um, another time there was a, a boy who was riding his bike and it was one of these cul-de-sacs and I rode past him and had to turn around, came back by and he flagged me down and he said, guess how far I rode my bike today. And I, I was like, I don't know what to say. I was like, I, I don't know how far he said, Two hours, I rode to Six Flags, and Six Flags is like, you know. That's the other side of town. Yeah, it's the other side of town, like very far away. And I was like, no, you didn't. (laughs) And he smiled, and then he he laughed a little bit, and he's like, nah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He said, but I did go to the water park. And I was like, cool, man, that's awesome. And it's just like (laughs) those kind of interactions that it's like, man, that was a cool ride. Like. Yeah, you just have like fun, fun little connections with folks. My wife calls it my our, my target demographic is kind of like eight to thirteen year old kids <laughs> out on their bike mm-hmm. because you know you're just like going through a neighborhood. There's a bunch of kids hanging out on on their on their bike. You bust out one wheelie for them, and uh, they are in yeah. the palm of your hand. <laughs> like they're like, do another one, do a wheelie, do another one, and yeah, so every time we see like kind of eight to thirteen year olds, she's always like, "Oh, it's your target demographic coming up, <laughs> the Pied Piper of wheelies." Yeah, you know? 
that's funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's another spot that I saw a there was like this door is in a door frame and everything. It was kind of like some bushes around it and it had a sign on it that was like pool rules, right? And it was like, you know, no lifeguard on duty, like, mm. you know, it was like a door to a pool. But there was no pool. Like the pool uh. used to be there. There's <laughs> okay. a field behind uh. it. No fence anymore or anything. Literally just a door. And I like had to do a double take and I was like, what, how is this still here? It looked perfectly like as somebody had been painting it and the sign was still like completely legible. Uh, no s- pool. Some fun, fun kind of urban decay or neglect or something. Yeah. There's a guy out in Arizona who is a wanderer user and he's actually, so there's an organization, a company out in Tempe called Cul-de-Sac mm-hmm. and they're building Basically, like their business is building car-free neighborhoods, as I understand it. And actually, actually the if anyone is ever looking for an e-bike recommendation, the guy that started Cul-de-Sac runs this page that's like all dedicated to like what e-bike should I get? Hmm. And he has like forty e-bikes, uh, and it's like a really useful resource. But anyways, this guy out there is their artist in residence, mm-hmm. and his whole thing is basically just riding every street in Tempe and kind of documenting it. Uh, he's also gathering some huge quantity of cans. I think he's trying to get like 30,000 cans that he finds on the streets of Tempe. Wow. Um, and he really manages to find quite a few. Yeah. And also seems to like documenting the just ridiculously jacked up pickup trucks that people (laughs) drive around there. Yeah. And yeah, he just sort of like has picked, has picked a, a thing to focus on and then it kind of comes to him as he's exploring. So yeah. Yeah. You start to see patterns for sure. Like things you hadn't noticed happening, like Mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah. Like, wow, there's a lot of cans on the street. Like how come nobody picks those up or. Yeah. yeah. It's also like way harder. A lot of the riding, at least a lot of the like major streets in Atlanta are built on ridgelines. And so when you start getting into the neighborhoods, like, the hills come up big time. And we also really like building dead ends that end at creeks. Right. So if bridges you're do- are expensive. Bridges are expensive. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of dead ends there at the bottom of a hill. And when you're turning around to come back up it, you have zero momentum. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's a, they can be a lot more challenging than traditional routes that you would do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of getting back to like making road rides suck less. Like I'm getting in really good shape from this because Uh yeah, I'm getting a crazy amount of climbing because what I've found too is a lot of the streets that I've never ridden before. The reason I haven't ridden them is because it got a big hill on it, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to find the way around that hill or like stick to a flatter street rather than go up those. So yeah, it's good workout. So there's a separate wanderer challenge for exploring on foot. Are there plans to create a challenge specific to mountain biking, mountain bike trails? That would be, yes, I would love to do that. And there's actually not really a reason why I can't do that so far. There's some like a few technical things that would make it, yeah, they're solvable. But yes, I think definitely having kind of a like, you've done, you've at least ridden on like every mountain bike trail in your county or in your state or whatever, I think would be very doable. And yeah, 
totally should be on there. So you, <laughs> yeah. have, you have public documentation now. <laughs> Chris this, at least acknowledges that it needs to happen. Yeah. Yes. When it will happen. That's, that's, a, that's a tricky thing with Wanderer is kind of like this criteria of what is a road or like what counts or shouldn't count. Because there's a lot of people that are like, I want to ride like absolutely everything. Like I want to ride every crappy alleyway <laughs> and like old, you know, horse carriage way that's just cobblestones and like it all counts. Yeah. And some people even go a step further and they're like doing zigzags inside of parking lots and like sneaking into <laughs> bus stations and riding everything. That's that's not super common. But then, you know, there are other people that are like, I don't really want to ride anything that's like not paved. Like mm-hmm. I'm riding a road bike. Yeah. I don't want to be going and sort of like, where do you draw the line of like, well, this counts, but this doesn't is yeah, there's no, there's no right answer. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, there's a guy that's done almost a hundred percent of ITP. So yeah, 3000 plus miles, but pretty much none of the mountain bike trails. Hmm. So yeah, maybe, maybe the, there's some room for, kind of changing how these things are scored that you have like a base quantity of roads that you can get to a hundred percent and then extra stuff that gets you like above a hundred percent or bonuses for that or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that single tracks, uh, members are into that as well. You know, like we have the ride list and stuff where you can keep track of which trails you've ridden. And I know, I know a number of people, even our friend, Chris Kelly, he's got like the list from single tracks of like the best trails in Georgia. And uh-huh. he's, you know, he's like, I got to ride the top 10. And then he's like, now I got to ride the top 50. And, you know, like that's, that's definitely a thing that as mountain bikers, like we love to do. We love to explore and yeah. And yeah. Feel a sense of accomplishment at, you know, tackling all the trails. Yeah. And whenever you're going, you know, like taking a road trip to visit your cousin or something, you're like, hmm, maybe there's like, Maybe there's trail nearby going to see the aunt and uncle for Thanksgiving. Bring your bike. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool way to explore. All right. So final question for you. Who would you say is the best mountain bike trials rider of all time? That would be Chris Ackrig. Oh, of course. Okay. I mean, you know, we love Danny McCaskill. But Chris, but Chris, he's a, he's a Chris, wanderer. I mean, he rides like everywhere, right? I mean, a lot of his everywhere. videos, yeah, he's he's riding ridiculous bikes on ridiculous trails. And like, there's stuff, there's stuff in his videos that he does that is just like a total throwaway move. And if you don't like ride trials or ride mountain bikes, you don't really have even a concept of like how hard it is to do or how hard it is to do that smoothly. Mm-hmm. And it's like not even the focus of what he's doing. It's like a setup move for like some big rock that he's going to ride up or some big log that he's going to ride. Yeah. But he just has like such a kind of natural, yeah, ease with just so much, so many different like styles, so many different types of bikes. Like if you're listening, Chris Agrig, <laughs> you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such a talented rider. Well, Craig, thanks uh, so much for telling us about Wanderers. It's fun to podcast with a friend. And, yeah, man, uh, for yeah. sure. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? You got to look at wanderer.earth. 
Uh, we'll have the link in the show notes. Give it a try. All you got to do is connect your Strava to it and stuff will start happening and you might get addicted like I am. So check it out. Check it out. That's all I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.